This podcast is brought to you by lineupmedia.fm. Welcome to the Circuit of Success, and thank you for joining me. You know, it's been said that success comes to those who wait, but I believe the opposite. I believe that it's earned with the right attitude, a great belief system, and action every single day. When you mix that in with faith, courage, discipline, and most importantly, a vision, that's when greatness happens. Now let's dive right in to this week's guest. Welcome to the Circuit of Success. I'm your host, Brett Gilliland, and today... I'm excited, man. We've got a uh, American business executive. We've got an author, a humanitarian, a husband, a dad of four, a sports guy. I'm excited. Mr. David Meltzer, how are you doing today? Hey, I'm terrific, Brett. Thank you so much for having me on. Absolutely. Thanks for being here. You're a uh, you're a busy man, so it was good to get you on the calendar and get this thing going. So, uh, But for those of our listeners that may not know who David Meltzer is, if you could maybe just go back in your past a little bit and let us know uh, what's helped make you the man you are today. I'm going to start way early, but briefly go through it. Uh, what made me the man I am today is I was born with an incredible mother. I was born with six, six kids in my family, five boys and one girl. And we you know, my mom was a single mom, a substitute teacher, a teacher. So we really didn't have a lot monetarily. And so the only time I wasn't happy, though, as a child, because my mom was such an extraordinary mom, was when, uh, you know, something broke, you know, a car broke, a dishwasher broke, or she couldn't afford to send us to summer camp. And I catch my mom crying. And, you know, it, you know, it still hits me today. I get choked up when I think about it. But from a very young, young age of four or five, I decided all I wanted to be was rich. And I started that early stage because being rich was so important to me and I really didn't care how. So I went through a litany of, of journeys to, to become rich at a very young age. I wanted number one to be a professional football player, uh, played college football. That didn't work out. It was, I got ran over by people like Christian Okoye <laughs> from the Kansas City Chiefs and oh, yeah. realized, you know, I better be like my siblings who all went to the Ivy Leagues on full scholarships. I, I, I better be a more academic player. So I decided I'd be a doctor. And then, I, you know, I visited my brother who's doing his residency. And he, you know, was just flabbergasted when I told him I hated hospitals. And he's, you know, like, David, gave me a great piece of advice, though. He said, be more interested than interesting. And <laughs> I've really taken a hold of that. And, you know, especially, you know, as I would say in my career, I ran the most notable sports agency in the world, called Lee Steinberg Sports and Entertainment. Most people know him from the movie oh, yeah. Jerry Maguire. Uh, but I get so many kids still today tell me, hey, you know, Dave, I, I want to be just like you. I, I want to be Jerry Maguire. I want to be a sports agent. And I let them know, you know, that's pretty much the same amount of knowledge when they asked me that is when I wanted to be a doctor and didn't even know doctors had to be in a hospital. You know, I thought I wanted to be a pediatrician <laughs> or a sports doctor. And I didn't realize how many years you had to spend in a hospital. Uh, right. So I decided to be a lawyer. I uh, thought either I'd be uh, to be rich, right? Remember, I wasn't some sort of passion. It was just these were going to be vehicles so that I could buy my mom a house. I could buy my mom a car. Uh, and and it, that's truly as simple as it was. And so I, I went to law school. I did very well. I had two job offers when I got out. One was to be an oil and gas litigator, guaranteed to make lots of money. Uh, and then second was to work in the internet to actually not practice law, but to sell legal research online in the early nineties when nobody even knew what the internet was. So I went to 
my trusted advisor, my mom, and I asked her what I should do. And I always laugh when I reflect on it, but without blinking, she said, you got to be a oil and gas litigator, Dave, you, you know, this internet thing, this internet thing is going to be a fad. And this will never was, work. <laughs> exactly. That, that was a second lesson. You know, yeah. first be more interested than interesting, but that lesson is even more valuable. It was just because somebody loves you doesn't mean they give you good advice. And so many times people ask people who care about us most for advice and they have no situational knowledge and no experience at what they're asking for. And then what's worse is they end up resenting. You know, they resent you uh, because the advice you gave is bad advice because you knew nothing. Um, but luckily, uh, I decided to do what I wanted to do. And, and I started selling legal research online with Westlaw. Within nine months of working there, I was a millionaire. I bought my mom a house. I bought my mom a car. I paid off my law loans and bought a big screen TV for me. And that was it. I thought I was successful. Uh, no matter what was going to happen to me the rest of my life, uh, I knew that that I had hit the success, but uh, I then pursued to make more money. And the more money that I made, I ended up to be the CEO of uh, Samsung's first smart uh, phone. It was called the PC-E phone. They manufactured it in Korea. Uh, and at 32, I was a multimillionaire and uh, it was the most unhappy I've ever been. I had so many different things. I kept buying different things and more things to make me happy and nothing seemed to make me happy. I surrounded myself with the wrong people and the wrong ideas. By the time 2007, 2008 came, I lost everything. And on paper, it was millions. Millions. I had a golf course. I had a ski mountain. I had 33 homes in San Diego. Uh, you know, it was a lot of money and I lost it all. And that's when my wife saved my life by telling me uh, to take stock in who I was and I went back and looked at the values and characters which built the success that I had and started living my life in an entirely different direction and have been blessed ever since. Uh, ended up running Lee Steinberg, the, the sports agency, and then eight years ago, spinning off a marketing company, which has also evolved into a media company uh, with Hall of Fame quarterback Warren Moon and I. And now I have a top five podcast called The Playbook. I have a TV show that's the number one digital business show called Elevator Pitch with Entrepreneur Magazine. Oh, yeah. And uh, I speak around the world. I have an extraordinary business coaching practice where it allows me to elevate others, to elevate myself. Just a variety of wonderful things. And most importantly, I have a beautiful family of four. I have uh, progressed from my three teenage daughters to have an eight-year-old son as well. And <laughs> still married to the love of my life who I met in the fourth grade and finally convinced to love me when we were 27. <laughs> oh man, that is awesome. Well, thanks for sharing that. That's, that's a lot. And I know there's a lot that goes into that. And so what would you, what would you tell our listeners that they, they may be doing like on paper, right? Looks successful, but just not happy. I mean, what would you tell them? So maybe they don't have to hit rock bottom like you had to do. What advice would you give those listeners? Yeah, you know what it is? It's to enjoy the consistent, everyday, persistent, without quit, pursuit of your potential. Uh, the biggest problem that I had is I, I, I attached to outcomes. So in my whole life, it was, oh, my, when I get a scholarship to college, I'll be happy. When I play college football, I'll be happy. Oh, when I go to medical school, I'll be happy. Oh, when I get to law school, I'll be happy. When I graduate law school, when I make my first million, when I make my first 10 million, when I make my first 100 million, I attach my happiness to all these outcomes instead of taking 
the perspective of enjoying the consistent everyday, persistent, without quit pursuit of my potential and always have three or four priorities of that potential. So to be the best father, to be the best community member, to be the humanitarian, to make money. You know, I have a philosophy of constantly wanting to double the amount of money that I make as quickly as I can. So I try not to have too many constraints that either deal with my ego, number one, or with time, number two. And that way it allows me to enjoy the consistent, persistent pursuit of my potential. And, and that's obviously easier said than done, right? And so, Absolutely. so how do you do that? How do you do that? Because I think you know I'm, I'm around a successful people every day and get the privilege to interview people like you. And then in our my normal business, I'm around successful people, you know, for our clients. And so constantly it comes up the pursuit of more, right? How do you turn it off? How do you focus on today and focus on these precious babies that we all have at home and not get so caught up in what's next? Yeah, the, the key is four key values. The first is gratitude. So uh, if you focus in on and have the intention of gratitude, gratitude makes your past better than it ever was, your present unbelievable, and your future even brighter. Gratitude allows you to take a positive perspective of everything. It allows you to be thankful for all the no's that you receive. I teach people all the time. I said, you know, no is your friend. Not only is know your friend to give to people, but to receive it. And all you have to do is imagine that anything that you want in your life, all you are is 25 no's away from getting it. And if you take that perspective, imagine how happy you are when you get your first no. But more importantly, imagine how excited you are at 11 no's, 19 no's, and even 25 no's. But yet so many people, they take things in the wrong way and they don't look towards it or with gratitude, and they end up frustrating themselves, becoming detached from their inspiration, not enjoying the journey, only attached to some outcome, and every time they get no, they feel depleted or defeated. And a no to me is exciting. I think, too, I mean, we'll go back to the second, third, and fourth one of those values, but I think when we were building our house and I was looking at the bricks going up and all that stuff, right, and and. I said to my wife and I was actually a little emotional about it. I was like, every one of these bricks is a no. Right. And so <laughs> wouldn't you, th- I mean, don't you think, right. The, the successful people, they chase more no's than anybody. Oh, for sure. And they enjoy the no's and, the, and they appreciate the no's and they say to themselves, I'm accountable for the no's. What did I do to attract the no's? What am I supposed to learn from the no's? Or even more importantly, I think that the uh, most successful people believe they live in the favor of the universe or of God. Like that's the two types of people that I feel, you know, when something happens that they weren't anticipating, they feel that it only happened for the best and that something better is coming instead of being depleted or defeated. So the first one was gratitude. What's number two? Number two is empathy. And empathy is a little bit less straightforward than gratitude. Empathy is not sympathy. You know, I tell people all the time, you can't feel bad enough to make someone feel good. You can't be sick enough to make someone well. And you certainly can't be poor enough to make someone rich. That's sympathy. Empathy is so much more powerful. Empathy is forgiveness. And the reason forgiveness is so important is that if you're not failing, if you're not getting no's in your life, you're not expanding, right? You're just not trying. And so it's so important to make mistakes and to learn from them and forgive yourself 
besides the fact that forgiveness gives you peace. The more forgiving you are of yourself, the only person you have to forgive, the more um, peaceful you are with others and more forgiving of others and, and you know, much more empathetic uh, by having forgiveness in your life. I like that. Number three. Accountability, which I uh, think as these grow are, are more and more important. Accountability, uh, the biggest winners and most successful people in life are accountable for everything in their life. My mom used to always say, look, do not go below the line. You cannot live below the line in blame, shame, and justification. You have to be accountable for every single thing and ask yourself, what did I do to attract this to myself and what am I supposed to learn from it? And when you're able to do that, it is the most empowering and also freeing thing you'll ever do. When you now can take control of your entire existence by being accountable for everything and learning from everything in your life. But don't you think too, we can also hide from our own success because nobody wants to be accountable, right? <laughs> yeah. It, uh, because it's painful, right? And that's where the forgiveness comes in and that's where the gratitude comes in. It makes it much more easy to be accountable. But there's a, there's a strategy that a lot of successful people utilize, which is called illuminate, illumination. And uh, that's when you bring out, like, for example, I illuminate the fact that I was a complete moron and lost everything. And it takes all the energy out of it. Almost every conversation when I have a new business associate, I always like to bring up at the very start, hey, you know, before we get going, I just want to let you know, I'm one of the biggest failures you'll ever meet. I never had to work again, and I lost everything. And I just want to let you know up front, which takes all the power in case you don't want to do business with someone that's gone bankrupt and lost everything. I can appreciate that. But I let them know right up front. And of course, you know, I market it and brand it, you know, with all the great followers I have that, hey, we learn from that stuff. And today I carry the energy that's the best thing that's ever happened to me. But imagine, and I see a lot of people like that in 2000, 2008, 2008, 2009, went bankrupt, lost everything, and they hide it from everyone, right? They're not accountable. They don't illuminate it. And what happens is you start doing business and you, things get serious and all of a sudden they do a little due diligence and they're like, hey man, you went bankrupt. All of a sudden they don't want to do business with you. You've lost all credibility because you didn't illuminate and take the energy out of your learning curve, your enjoyment of your potential. And what's the fourth and final value you like to talk about? Effective communication, uh, two ways to communicate. One, with others. Realize that you're at one with others. You need to get out of your own way. You're at one with yourself, with one with the universe. You need to effectively communicate. You got to be a student of your calendar. You got to do things now. You know, most people don't even realize how easy it is to do things now. Uh, if you don't do something, and the first question when you have something to do, or someone presents you with something to do, if you're not asking yourself, can I do it now? You are wasting at least twice as much time in a day. Uh, if you can do something now, it saves you minimum two times the amount of time. And it gives you much more statistical success and efficiency. If you study that calendar, you can effectively communicate both with the time aspect and the ego aspect of your life. But the most important part of effectively communicating is understanding when you're inspired, in spirit, living your life with gusto, that enjoyment, that happiness. you got to stay connected to anything that inspires you. It's easy to be inspired at the beginning. It's easy to be inspired at the end. But the most successful people are inspired every single day, consistently, persistently, enjoying the pursuit of their potential. 
So I like that pursuit of their potential. And so while we're on that topic, I'm a big, big fan of habits and rituals. What would you say are the, maybe the one, two, three things that helped you get to your potential and, and something you just did day in, day out, didn't matter, even in the tough times, you were still doing this? Absolutely. So uh, the, the number one thing is to learn and have the habit of creating effective habits. And I know that's a little different than what most people talk about or think about is the first habit you should work on is the habit of creating an effective habit. Right? If, if you're, you don't know how to create the habits, then you're always stuck in this what I call zero effect. You lose the exponential results in life. You do things, you know, dieting is a classic example. People will diet and they'll go one, two, three, four days and then they'll blow it. Then they'll go one, two, three, ten days and then blow it. Well, what happens is they get the X to the first, second, third, fourth power, then they zero, X to the zero. X to the one to the tenth power, then they zero. So at the end of the month, they've dieted consistently trying to get a habit 28, 27 days, but all they've gotten is incremental results, if any results. They wonder why. But if somebody consistently can create these habits every single day, and the way that I did that is I learned that if I gave focus to something and did it every single day and told myself a minimum amount of time, and I started with the easiest one that had the biggest effect, I created a habit that could prove to myself I could do something every day. And that was to say thank you before I went to bed and thank you when I woke up. And I had to prove to myself, and I, I call it the gratitude challenge, right? I tell people all the time, if you think you are someone that knows how to create effective habits, then it should be easy for you for 30 straight days, 30 straight days to say and think thank you before you go to bed and when you wake up. Now, I will tell you and I tell everyone, it took me nine months, nine <laughs> months, Brett, and I'm teaching this stuff to learn how to create an effective habit. It took me nine months to take the 10,000 new thoughts that I have every day and put it into the 40,000 of the same thoughts that I have to take it from my conscious to my subconscious. And now it's part of my DNA. It's part of my fingerprint right. on life. It's part of my energy. But once you learn how to create an effective habit, then the next step is to take three habits at all time until they get into your own unconscious. And so, so were you, sorry to interrupt, but were yeah. you, did you have like reminders going off on your phone? Did you have like post-it notes everywhere? I mean, what got you to the point where, um, you just did it right. Cause I'm, I'm that way with reading. I read every single day. If you follow me on, on social media, yeah. I post it every single day. It's just a habit, right? It, it is. I, I read, 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 read. It's a habit, but there's other things that I want to create in my life. And sometimes like, Oh crap, I forgot between work and kids events and all that stuff. You just forget to implement it. Right. So I put thank you everywhere. You know, I put it as my screensaver. I put it on my nightstand. I put it on my toothbrush. I put T, you know, T-Y on things. I put thank you in my signature line, right? It was just that reminder everywhere that I put it. And now I don't have it anywhere, right? In fact, the signature on my line says unconditionally because my reminder today or habit in, in you know, the next step, like I was going to say, you, you should always be working on three effective habits. That's, that's enough. And you should be giving it a minimum amount of time. So instead of thank you now, radical humility is everywhere that I have. And unconditional is a word that I use to remind me to be radically humble. And, you know, that, that I am, you know, and of, you know, a oneness and, and of service to everyone. And so anywhere and everywhere you can put it uh, and have other people remind you, you know, <laughs> it doesn't yeah. matter. 
That's good. Uh, so let's talk about the importance of a vision. I mean, when you when you look at your life today, obviously you've been uber successful and and, and not successful and back yeah. at it again, which is awesome. But how important is a vision in your life? I think it's essential, you know, to focus in on and really leverage the power of intention to create a vision for yourself. The difference of where I stand with my vision is two things. One, we talked about detaching uh, from a happiness from that vision. Uh, but two is that I have, like other people, visions for myself, which I call alignment. Uh, then the second stage, which you get about an 80% drop off on dreamers, is that the actual action or plan that I put to it. So not only do I get alignment to my vision, but I also then take action. And then to complete the AAA philosophy or the third A is the real exponential factor, the extra mile, the, the least crowded mile is to prepare for adjustment. And so that uh, continual alignment, action and adjustment uh, to me is the process behind you know, visualizing or having a vision of, you know, the beach house I wanted to buy or my children's future or where I want to be when I'm 60. I have visions and goals and objectives for all of those. It's just I utilize an alignment, action and adjustment philosophy to it other than, you know, a vision board that strictly, you know, shows the exact same house every single day and focus in on that. I have a little bit more complete philosophy behind it. So those, so your AAA is like my circuit of success. And so those circuits are attitude, your belief system, your action. So what we just talked about that yeah. ultimately gets you the results, right? So when you hear those circuits and you hear attitude, what comes to mind? Uh, you know, attitude, what comes to mind is that first part of attitude is gratitude to me. I mean, I think they are the exact same. Um, they almost sound the same, but uh, it, it is your perspective. And perspective is everything. I think so many people don't understand the ego, uh, which gets in the way of your attitude or gets in the way of gratitude. And that's the need to be right, the need to be separate, the need to be inferior, superior, the need to be offended, the need for guilt, the need for fear, the need for anxiety. All of these things are the ego, which was made to protect your body, your embodiment, not to protect your emotions. And that ego gets in the way of the most powerful vibration you have, which is your emotion which is your energy and motion. And so therefore attitude and gratitude are the exact same. And that perspective is everything. So I was just at a lunch meeting uh, right before this with a very successful client. And we were talking about uh, really the abundance mentality versus the scarcity mentality or um, optimism versus pessimism. So when you hear, you know, that abundance versus scarcity, what comes to your mind and how do you train your mind for those listeners that maybe think more pessimistic sometime or more out of scarcity? How do you help them think bigger and, and be more abundant? Yeah, it's a great thing. I, I explain to people there's three worlds. The first world is the world that a lot of people live in. It's not enough. And no matter what they have, they'll never have enough. The second world is just enough. And many people live in this world. It's their perspective. It's just enough. And no matter what they do or what they have, they'll always have just enough. And then there's a the world I live in. It's an abundant world where there's enough of everything for everyone. And it's the world of more than enough. And when you live in a world of more than enough and you train yourself to understand and look upon things with the attitude of gratitude, with the perspective of more than enough, with that perspective, it creates not only abundance for you and everyone closest to you, but everyone in the world. And when you live in a world of more than enough, 
there's always more than enough, no matter what you truly have. Yeah. So how do you, how does, how does David define success? <laughs> Happiness is success. So I like it. I, to me, it's very simple, man. If I wake up inspired and I go to bed inspired and I stay inspired. And the key to that is, is really being centered. So I meditate every morning. The first thing. Love uh, it. What do you I, use? I actually use Theta Meditation, which I've been trained in India, uh, but I suggest people, they ask me all the time because I am a complex meditator, an advanced meditator. <laughs> uh, you know, Headspace is great. All right, that's what if, I, if use. You, I use. Headspace. Yeah. If you sit up, you know, and in fact, I'm going to probably, I, I want to do a podcast on the playbook uh, with the founder of Headspace, and I have an idea for a sports version of Headspace because so many athletes could use it. Uh, you know, but just a simple process of sitting up straight, you know, straighten your spine, breathing through your nose from the end of the verse, out through your mouth and clearing your head for 20 minutes. But the reason it's important when no matter what you use is that's a baseline for the day. And what most people try to do is react. And that's not what I do during the day. Whenever anything comes upon me that wasn't anticipated or may move me emotionally, my first step is backwards into that center. So the more consistently and persistently I understand my center or peace, because uh, at peace in that center, I'm completely in the flow and I can maximize and create much more statistical success by being able to understand with no emotion what decisions or raising my awareness, right, which is so important. Most people, if they ask, what gift would you give? And I would say I'd give awareness to everyone. Uh, because the more aware you are, you, it's so nice, right? You know whether to buy or sell. You know whether to go left or right. You know whether to date that girl or not. Uh, you know, all the different decisions you make, the answer to them is just straight awareness, the simple truth. So the more we are aware, the ha faster we vibrate. We can only be aware of that which vibrates equal to or less than us. The truth vibrates the fastest. The more of the truth we know, the better off we are. It's really simple, and that's why meditation <laughs> is so important. Well, I think I know the answer then. My, one of my questions was going to be, how do you get focused every day on your crazy life? I would assume yeah. that's, that's the answer. Yeah. So not only meditation, but going back to center, um, but also having three priorities, like I said, to focus in on. So those key visions that you talk about, objectives that I have, I always have three until they become part of my DNA, my fingerprint on life, my energy, my core. Once they do, then I pick up another. And they can be simple things. Like, you know, the one city of them. Mind like, sharing? Not at all. Like, because some of them are really interesting. Like, I'll give you an example of something that was causing me to get off balance in my, emotionally was uh, my mother, you know, who's in her 70s. Like, my dad passed last year. Uh, obviously, I'm very close with and I adore her. But it, she, she was asking me to do all this stuff. And, and the more you know, productive I want to be and accessible I want to be, it was getting difficult because, you know, oh, my back hurts or can you, it was like she wanted me to prove something to her. And so I started analyzing it and realized that my mom was asking me to do certain things or causing conflict in my life because she was really looking for reassurance of two things. One, that I loved her and two, that I appreciated her. And, you know, with having my own wife, my own four kids, my businesses, TV show, podcast, all these things, you know, I felt like maybe I wasn't giving her that attention. Therefore, just like a child was acting out to get my attention. So as one of my priorities, I told myself that every day consistently, without quit persistently, I would give a minimum, a minimum of one minute a day to call, text or email my mom to reassure her that I loved and appreciated her. And it was so amazing because it only took about 30 days 
until all that negative waste of time, emotional baggage, frustration, separation, ego-based time waste issues that I had had resolved themselves because she felt so comfortable and secure in the fact that number one, I loved her and two, I appreciated her. Yeah, that's a big uh, deal. The other one is critical uh, and it constantly changes in sub priorities, but I had to reprioritize my life with my health. Uh, I had always put my family first, my business second and my health third. And as I got closer to turning 50, which I did this January, uh, which I'm celebrating that 50 for 50 campaign to raise money for 50 birthday parties for me this year in 2018, because I turned 50 in January. Uh, what I did is I said to myself, from now on, my health is a priority. One hour minimum every day is going to be spent on my health. Focusing in on whatever aspect, whether it's balance, stretching, weights, training, nutrition, meditate, whatever it is, a minimum of one hour a day, every single day. And that means I have to leave work. It means I have to miss uh, certain family things, uh, whatever it takes. Uh, because if I'm not healthy, I am no good to my family and I'm particularly no good to my business. And so for the first time in my life over the last 16 months, uh, I leave work uh, to go take care of my health. Uh, you know, I really am focused in on it. So uh, you know, those are the type of things uh, that I prioritize. And the second is just financial, uh, being able to raise over a million dollars uh, for an empowerment center that uh, we've impacted 75,000 people with the Unstoppable Foundation. And so this year, my focus is in on uh, elevating others and creating this empowerment center for the 75,000 people we've impacted so they can impact another 75,000 people if they can. So once you share with our listeners your 50 for 50, I thought this was really, really cool. Well, being a sports guy, I love 30 for 30s. I've been involved yeah. in several 30 for 30s, and I wanted to do something you know, to, to leave a legacy, but really to empower others. So uh, I am the chairman of the Unstoppable Foundation. Over the last 10 years, we've impacted 75,000 people by giving water, education, financial literacy, health care, uh, and we've empowered them. We, we haven't given it to them. We've empowered them how to do it themselves. And I built a village with Warren Moon, my business partner, two years ago uh, in Kenya in the Masamari. And now some of these kids are graduating college and they're able to empower others. So I am doing 50 birthday parties around the country. People are picking up their own 50 for 50 campaigns. You know, I got a guy that's losing 50 pounds for money. I have another person that's running 50 miles uh, for money. You know, all these different clever things, uh, golf tournaments. But I'm doing 50 birthday parties to raise over a million dollars to build this empowerment and leadership center so that the people that have been impacted by our charity can now even further impact others. That's cool. That's very cool. I like how you're taking a birthday and turning it into something good for other people. Um, so talk to us about our teams, right? We're those leaders that are listening. We have people that work with us and for us and, and different things. And, and how do we go about inspiring those people? Yeah, so I believe it's value-based and we inspire people uh, by empowering them with the appropriate values. And what you're really good at, Brett, what I love is that, you know, you don't let me off the hook with the one-liners and the and the stories, it's, you know, how do you do it? You know, what are the key components of creating effective habits? You know, having the right skills. So, you know, I'm really big on teaching people and showing them where to get skills, knowledge, you know, where to get knowledge. I'm a huge proponent of mentorship. I 
I've created an unbelievable business coaching practice and program that enables me to help so many different people help other people. And uh, so I think if you focus in on three things, skills, you know, helping provide people the skills, knowledge, giving appropriate mentorship, and then three, inspiration, desire. The integration of skills, knowledge, and desire can empower anyone to do anything, both for individual good as well as collective. So one of my favorite questions I talk about with every guest is uh, is about fear. And talk to me about fear and how that played out in your business career to be successful. Did you have a lot of fears like, gosh, I won't make it or or this won't be successful or what if this happens? And, and then you had your 0708 thing that did happen. But did you have a lot of those fears? Yeah. So fear was my motivator. Yeah, and you may, you may ruin my, I'm like, you know, one, I'm like maybe one for 85 people have said the, the next answer to this, I say, how many of your fears actually blew up to the magnitude you put them in your mind to be? <laughs> it's sad, isn't it? You're going to say yes. Dang it. You're going to ruin. You know, I, but I won't, I won't because that's, let me play right into your cards. So, um, <laughs> my, my biggest fear was being poor, like my mom. Yep going bankrupt and um, the fear like I tell people all the time to to admit to somebody that I had lost everything to go the hardest part of going bankrupt is telling my wife and my mother that I had lost everything uh, and so you know that that was a fear but here here's what is different and why I think I'm still part of the, your majority is the fear I had it wasn't nearly as bad in fact I will tell you that losing everything was the best thing that ever happened to me. Making money was never a problem. You know, it, it's never been, I was a millionaire nine months out of law school. I, it, it's part of me, my core energy. I know how to create abundance, but I was so far in my own way. I was so motivated and attached my happiness uh, to, I attached my happiness to that, that, you know, money, you know, acquiring uh, goal that it was the fear of not being successful that, that manifested, you know, what you resist persists. But like anything, and you say, what I was afraid of was, you know, truly like my favorite Sesame Street book called The Monster at the End of the Book with Grover, right? And you keep turning the pages. I love yeah. that book, right? And then at the end, there's just this cuddly blue, you know, Grover. Oh, it's just me. I'm the only thing I'm afraid of. And that's truly the journey why nobody should answer your question otherwise and say, oh, no, the, what I feared was way less than what it received. No, all I received at the end was lovable, cuddly Grover and great lessons so that it just made me stronger. I don't consider anything a setback. It's all just a setup, right? I live in the favor of the universe. Yeah. I live in the favor of everything. And I, I have gotten over, though, being motivated by fear. I'm motivated by abundance. I'm motivated by empowering others. I'm motivated by elevating others. I'm motivated by being of service. And guess what? Things come faster, exponentially faster, more rapidly and accurately than I ever imagined. Oh, that fires me up. So what would you tell the uh, 30-year-old Dave? What, would you, what, would, what conversations did you have with that young man? Oh, woo. Stop. Uh, you know, <laughs> surround, yourself, surround yourself with the right people and the right ideas right? That, that, that very simply, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Uh, mm. You know, radical humility, uh, that, the, the, just real simple things. I really 
I, I encourage people, you are the aggregate, the accumulate of what you watch here, the energy you surround yourself with. And I would tell myself just simply, just be grateful for where you are and start surrounding yourself, asking for help. Oh, yeah, for sure. Ask for help. You know, ask no matter how, where you are, how successful you think you are, how good you think you are at what you're doing. You know, Tiger Woods has a swing coach. Uh, LeBron James has a shot coach. You know, they're asking for help. So ask for help, you big dirty old dummy. (laughs) That's right. And and I always heard too, and I'm sure you've heard this a thousand times, but show me your checkbook and I'll show you what you value as well, right? Yeah, true. It's a big deal. So uh, I know we got a hard stop here in a few. So what? um, how how have you stayed uh, a student of the game? Like just whatever that game is you're playing, how do we stay on top of the game? Yeah, be more interested than interested, interesting and be of service. You know, the way I right. stay on top of my game is I wake up every morning not trying to take, not trying to achieve in some sense, but I put all my energy on how much value can I bring, number one, to my family, two, to my business, three, to my community, four, to the world. And so if I take the approach unconditionally of providing service, I create a void that the universe fills for me. I create a void that only the universe can fill. And the universe is exact. It's efficient, effective, and statistically successful. And so by being of service, I don't sit at home high on my mom's couch dreaming of what I want. I wake up at 4 a.m. every day, meditate, and bust my butt to create value for all of those different relative things in my life. I love it. So where can our listeners find more of you, my friend? Easiest place is at David Meltzer, my Instagram, or if you just want to Google me, you know, David Meltzer, you know, luckily I have great uh, SEO, I guess, or great publicity. Uh, You know, I got a television show, Elevator Pitch, which is a top business show. Uh, You can find that on uh, entrepreneur.com as well as all your digital platforms. Uh, I have the playbook. Please download and share that. That's on you know iTunes, Google Play, Entrepreneur. And of course, if you could text 50 for 50 to 555-888 and help support my Empowerment and Leadership Center, I certainly would appreciate that. This is Dave Meltzer, and I certainly appreciate you, Brett, for having me on. Hey, you're the man. Thanks for your time today, David, and good luck. Thank you again. I'll talk to you soon. Tune in next week for another episode of The Circuit of Success with Brett Gilliland on the lineupmedia.fm podcast network. Subscribe to the show on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and through our website, circuitofsuccess.com. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter and email any questions to info at circuitofsuccess.com. This podcast was a presentation of lineupmedia.fm. 